0: Chapter 32 of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert Saint-Amand. Translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter 32 The Royal Family in the Convent of the Fouillons. What a strange prison was this dilapidated old monastery, these little cells not lived in for two years, with their flooring half destroyed, and their narrow windows looking down into courts full of men drunken with wine and blood. By the light of candles stuck into gun barrels, the royal family entered this gloomy lodging. Trembling for her son, who was frightened, the queen took him from Monsieur Aubier's arms and whispered to him. The child grew calmer. Maman, said he, has promised to let me sleep in her room because i was very good before all those wicked men four cells all opening by similar small doors upon the same corridor comprised the quarters of the royal family what a night the souvenirs of the previous day came back like dismal dreams their ears were still deafened with furious cries they seemed to see the blood of the swiss flowing like a torrent the pyramids of corpses in red uniforms the flames of the terrible conflagration sweeping the approaches to the Tuileries Marie Antoinette seems under an hallucination her emotions break her down is this woman confided to the care of an unknown servant in this deserted old convent really she is this the queen of France and Navarre this the daughter of the great empress Maria Theresa what uncertainty rests over the fate of her most faithful servitors what news will she yet learn who has fallen who has survived the carnage The hours of the night wear on. Marie Antoinette has not been able to sleep a moment. The Marquis de Tuzel and Monsieur Daubier remain at the king's bedside. Before sleeping, he talked to them with the utmost calmness of all that had taken place. People regret, said he, that I did not have the rebels attacked before they could have forced the assembly. But besides the fact that in accordance with the terms of the Constitution, the National Guards might have refused to be the aggressors, what would have been the result of this attack? The measures of the insurrection were too well taken for my party to have been victorious, even if I had not left the Tuileries. Do they forget that when the seditious commune massacred M Mandat, it rendered his projected defence of no avail While Louis the Sixteenth was saying this, the men placed under the windows were shouting loudly for the queen's head. What has she done to them? cried the unfortunate sovereign the next morning, August eleventh several persons were authorized to enter the cells of the convent among them was one of the officers of the king's bedchamber françois Hu, who had incurred the greatest dangers on the previous day cards of admission were distributed by the inspector of the assembly hall a large guard was stationed at all the issues of the corridor no one could pass without being stopped and questioned after surmounting all obstacles Monsieur Hieu reached the cell of louis the sixteenth the king was still in bed with his head covered by a coarse cloth. He looked tenderly at his faithful servant, M. Hu, who could scarcely speak for sobbing, apprised his unhappy master of the tragic death of several persons whom his majesty was especially fond of, among them the chevalier d'Amonville, who had been under-governor to the first dauphin, and several officers of the bedchamber, M. le Tellier, Payard, and de Marchais. I have at least, said Louis the sixteenth, the consolation of seeing you saved from this massacre all night long madame elizabeth the princess de lambaye and madame de tourgel had prayed and wept in silence at the door of the chamber where marie antoinette watched beside her sleeping children it was not until morning after cruel insomnia that the wretched queen was at last able to close her eyes and when after a few minutes she opened them again what an awakening at eight o'clock in the morning mademoiselle pauline de Tourgel arrived at the fouillon I cannot say enough she writes in her souvenir de quarante Ange, about the goodness of the king and queen they asked me many questions about the persons concerning whom i could give them any tidings madame and the dauphin received me with touching signs of affection they embraced me and madame said my dear pauline do not leave us any more the courtiers of misfortune came one after another madame campan and her sister madame aguillet saw the prince de poix monsieur daubier monsieur de saint-pardou Madame Elizabeth's equerry, Messieurs de Gougela, you, and de Chamilly in the first cell. In the second, they found the king. They wanted to kiss his hand, but he prevented it, and embraced them without speaking. In the third cell, they saw the queen, waiting on by an unknown woman. Marie Antoinette held out her arms. Come, she cried. Come, unhappy women. Come and see one who is still more unhappy than you, since it is she who has been the cause of all your sorrow. She added, We are ruined. We have reached the place at last to which they have been leading us for three years by every possible outrage. We shall succumb in this horrible revolution, and many others will perish after us. Everybody has contributed to our ruin. The innovators like fools, others like the ambitious, in order to aid their own fortunes. For the most furious of the Jacobins want gold and places, and the crowd expected pillage. There is not a patriot in the whole infamous horde, the emigrants had their schemes and manoeuvres the foreigners wanted to profit by the dissensions of france everybody has had a part in our misfortunes here the dauphin entered with his sister and madame de tourzel poor children cried the queen how cruel it is not to transmit to them so noble a heritage and to say all is over for us and as the little dauphin seeing his mother and those around her weeping began to shed tears also my child the queen said embracing him you see i have consolations too the friends whom misfortune deprived me of were not worth as much as those it gave me then marie antoinette asked for the queen of the princess torrente madame de la roche aimont and others whom she had left at the tuileries she compassionated the fate of the victims of the previous day madame campan expressed a desire to know what the foreign ambassadors had done in this catastrophe the queen replied that they had done nothing but that the english ambassadors Lady Sutherland had just displayed some interest in sending linen for the dauphin, who was in need of it. What memories must not that little cell in the Feuillant convent have left in the souls of those who were privileged to present there the homage of their devotion to the queen? I think I still see, Madame Campan had said in her memoirs. I shall always see that little cell hung with green paper, that wretched couch from which the dethroned sovereign stretched out her arms to us, saying that our woes of which she was the cause, aggravated her own there for the last time i saw the tears flowing and heard the sobs of her whose birth the natural gifts and above all the goodness of whose heart had destined her to be the ornament of all thrones and the happiness of all peoples during the eleventh and twelfth of august the tortures of the tenth were renewed for the royal family they were obliged to occupy the odious box of the logograph during the sessions of the assembly and from there witness as at a show the slow and painful death-struggle of royalty as she was on her way to this wretched hole marie antoinette perceived in the garden some curious spectators on whose face a certain compassion was depicted she saluted them then a voice cried don't put on so many airs with that graceful head it is not worth while you'll not have it much longer from the box of the logograph the royal family listened to the most offensive motions to decree according to marseillais a payment of thirty sous a day ordered all statues of kings to be overthrown and petitions demanding the head of all the swiss who had escaped the massacre at last the assembly grew tired of the long humiliation of the august captives on monday august thirteenth they were not present at the session and during the day they were notified that in the evening they were to be incarcerated not in the luxembourg that palace being too good for them but in the tower of the temple when marie antoinette was informed of this decision she turned towards madame de tourzel and putting her hands over her eyes said i always asked the count d'artois to have that villainous tower of the temple torn down it always filled me with horror Petitot told louis the sixteenth that the communal council had decreed that none of the persons proposed for the service of the royal family should follow them to their new abode by force of remonstrance the king finally obtained permission that the Princess de lambaye madame de tourzel and her daughter should be accepted from this interdiction and also messieurs you and the chamilly and mesdames thibault barcyre navarre and st brice the departure for the temple took place at five in the evening the royal family went in a large carriage with manuel and ption who kept their hats on the coachman and footmen dressed in grey served their masters for the last time national guards escorted the carriage on foot with reversed arms the passage through a hostile multitude occupied not less than two hours. The vehicle, which moved very slowly, stopped for several moments in the Place Vendôme. There Manuel pointed out the statue of Louis the Fourteenth, which had been thrown down from its pedestal. At first the descendant of the great king reddened with indignation. Then, tranquilizing himself instantly, he calmly replied, It is fortunate, sir, that the rage of the people spends itself on inanimate objects. Manuel might have gone on to say that, On this very Place Vendôme, Queen Violette, one of the most furious vixens of the October days, had just been crushed by the fall of this equestrian statue of Louis XIV, to which she was hanging in order to help bring it down. The statue of Henry IV in the Place Royale, that of Louis XIII in the Place des Victoires, and that of Louis XV, in the place that bears his name, had fallen at the same time. The royal family arrived at the temple at seven in the evening. The lanterns placed on the projection potions of the walls and the battlements of the great tower made it resemble a catafalque, surrounded by funeral lights. The queen wore a shoe with a hole in it, through which her foot could be seen. You would not believe, said she, smiling, that a queen of France was in need of shoes. The doors closed upon the captives, and a sanguinary crowd complained of the thickness of the walls separating them from their prey. End of chapter thirty two Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama.